Welcome to the Yes I Am podcast for vulnerability fuel transformative conversations. I'm your host, Armand, and in today's episode, I will talk to Claire about her childhood experience of moving from the US to France, where she faced language barriers, social isolations, and also in this episode, we're going to explore the importance of active listening and how people often seek validation in conversations. And please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. So you will never, ever, ever miss any of our episodes. And for more engaging content and updates, make sure to follow me on Instagram at ArmanASKZ. And get ready to dive into this episode. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to SIM Podcast, Claire. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks yeah. for having me on. You're soon about to go to Portland and glad that you, take, you took the time to kind of stop by and mm-hmm. record this podcast. Claire, what is your story? My story? That's a pretty broad question. Yeah. I would say, oh gosh, I'd say a lot of, I mean, I'm not very old, but a lot of different experiences. Like, I feel, it's going to sound cliche, but I feel like for my age, I've lived a lot of different lives. I've been like, lived a lot of different places and done a lot of different things. So maybe just varied. Or what are one of those? Well, for example, I mean, I've lived here. Mm-hmm. I've lived overseas in France, lived overseas in England for a little bit, oh. and then um, just different jobs. I feel yeah. like working in like community service, and then my my lifting life, powerlifting life, and mm-hmm. then school and family. I don't know. Well, um, let's start with who were you growing up in terms of um, your personality. Um, I was a handful. I was a, a good handful. kid. I okay. was a good kid. But my whole family is introverts. I, I've gotten more introverted as I've grown up, but as, as a kid I was very loud. Like to get into trouble. I was definitely a troublemaker. Um, I can see that in you for some yeah. reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> curious. Super, super curious. Mm-hmm. I like, didn't care what it was. If someone told me it wasn't a good idea, didn't matter. I wanted to see what was up. Like, I was very curious. I like, always wanted to see things for myself. Like, mm-hmm. very much, yeah, I think it was very in the moment. Like, wanted to experience things. Um, yeah. Had an older brother and a younger sister. Um, I honestly had a really good childhood. I think I'm really thankful to my parents for just like the environment they set up for me and my siblings. Mm-hmm. It was both like safe, mm-hmm. but not like restricting. Mm-hmm. It's like they both like kind of protected me like the way parents should from the world, yeah. but also let us have our like free reign and like mm-hmm. be independent at whatever level we were at, whatever age we were at, which I think yeah. is a really hard balance. I imagine, I have never been a parent, but I imagine that's a really hard balance to find as a parent, but they managed to do it, and I think it's, like, set me up well to be a good adult. What do you mean by that? Like, what did they do that, like, kind of, like, allowed you to kind of be, have that, I guess, curiosity that you talked about and then ambition? I think they would give me space mm-hmm. to figure things out on my own. They, my mom is a worrier, but they would kind of just... Unless I was in actual danger, they would just yeah. like let go a little mm-hmm. bit and let me do my thing. So whether that's mm-hmm. climbing a tree, maybe possibly falling off, you know, like um, playing outside or, or I don't know, like cooking or mm-hmm. like doing stuff around the house where it wasn't like they were always over my shoulder, like trying to like tell me, like they just kind of let me figure things out, like both 
me and my siblings. So, so did you growing up like um, kind of you said you know like climb the tree? When you climb a tree, there's always a chance of falling down, right? right? So, right. Uh, so would you say like you are kind of like um, okay right now after all that childhood with failure? I think so. Yeah, I think I'm definitely. I think my fear of failure is self-imposed. I think I I, th I think like everybody, you have a, a little bit of a fear of failure. Mm -hmm. But it's I know a lot of people that comes from their parents. That's their parents like want like really putting pressure on them. Mm -hmm. But I think that's for myself, like me having high standards for myself. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's set me up uh, to be like if I do fail, mm -hmm. it's not the end of the world. It's okay. For sure. Yeah, if, if it's how you learn. So. Because, yeah. you know, you, you do have this competitive spirit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> and, like, uh, that's kind of, like, could be something because you, I don't know, maybe it can be derived from fear of failure, you know, that competitive spirit. Yeah. Or, I think, yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. I think I get really focused and absorbed in what I'm doing. And, mm -hmm. like, it's also I want to keep up with people. I think it comes from wanting to be respected. Mm hmm I, yeah, I definitely fear failure, but, like, I want me to, like, be proud of myself and also the people I'm around to have respect for me, mm -hmm. and I feel like that is achieved through your actions. That's achieved okay. through doing things. So I think that's kind of where my competitive competitiveness comes from, mm -hmm. is just, like, wanting to be proud of myself and respect from others, I feel like. Where does that come from? <sighs> like, um, oof. That's, I think I feel as if I have good things to offer the world, like beneficial things to offer the world. But in order for me to offer those things, I kind of, or like for people to want to listen to me, I kind of have to prove myself. Mm -hmm. Because we, I don't know, like I haven't been asked on a podcast until yeah. today. Yeah. And that's because I feel like I've like done enough things that people have noticed that like, like I've proved my credibility a little bit. Like nobody was asking me onto a podcast when I was five years old to talk about my life or like mm -hmm. my life. Honestly, I think that would be pretty interesting. But that's because I hadn't proven myself yet. And mm -hmm. at least I was still. Do you kind of get what I'm saying a mm -hmm. little bit? You know, you I'll listen find. to people that when you you see how they live their life, you see what they do, and that like you were like, oh, how do they do that? Like they must have something figured out. Yeah. So and I feel like that, that sense of like wanting to like listen to somebody is like looking at their actions, be like, oh, I want to learn from them, or so, that should be. So it's kind of like one of your mentalities is always to like, hey, I want to learn how to prove, I, I want to every day prove myself. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of what I'm yeah. 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 I think, yeah, it's, it's also for me. It's also just wanting to see how far I can go mm -hmm. and like see what I can do. Like the fear of, I think I, I fear wasted potential more than mm -hmm. I fear failure because I feel like I can always be doing more. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of true, you know? You could always be doing, like working harder or doing more, mm -hmm. or like doing better, mm -hmm. but it's just one step at a time and I, I don't know. It's like, well, like, what can I do? Yeah. Like, what can I achieve in this lifetime, mm -hmm. both for myself and for the people around me, hopefully? Mm -hmm. But what about you? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> what drives you? Oh, what drives me? Yeah. My purpose. 
which is creating opportunities for people to kind of connect with one another and what they're doing. And that's kind of why I do this podcast. Yeah. And uh, one thing I'm interested to know in you being very competitive and from what you just said, I have a question for you. In your life, in your childhood, were there a point that you felt not validated? I feel like because I was always... People thought I was a little bit of a... Airhead is a strong term. But like growing up, because I was so... Like had all this energy. I was like excited, getting into mischief, you know, like spazzing out, you know, Mm. like wrestling, climbing, like always active. I feel like people didn't really acknowledge that I had like a lot going on in my head, which I did. Like I remember things very, very clearly throughout growing up. And I think that's one way I felt like maybe that just wasn't noticed. And I don't really have any resentment towards anybody because Mm -hmm. I I was a kid, but. I think growing up, I was like, I would get really upset when people would laugh at me. Like when I was serious, mm-hmm. I'd be like, why aren't you listening to me? Like I, like I have something going on up, up in my head. And I was like, oh, why can't people see that? And I think, like as I've gotten older, I've felt more validated like that. People listen to me more, I guess. When you, when you, when you say like you had something going on in your head, was it like more, more of like an opinion or fact that you had to want to share or like more of like what you were dealing with at the time? Um. Sometimes when I was dealing with it, but I have always thought about things all the time. I like mm-hmm. would like just sit and like think about like from as far back as I can remember, just think about like try and figure out just like various problems. Just I'm always like problem solving in my head. So I have like a list I feel like or like a log of my head of like issues I've just thought about by myself mm-hmm. and tried to figure out. And obviously I never feel like I really fully figure something out, but Mm -hmm. I would just, for the sake of trying to figure out, understand the world I live in, Mm -hmm. just always think about it and try to solve it. And that Mm -hmm. happens from the moment you're born. Yeah. And I just feel like people, I don't know, as a kid, people didn't understand that. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, I've actually like really been thinking about things. Like I'm not just on autopilot. You are not taken seriously. Yeah. I remember somebody, because when my parents said something about me being like, it's, I don't know, like not having very complex thoughts or something like, like, what's going on in your head? Like, mm-hmm. is it all like sunshine and rainbows? Yeah. And I'm like, no, <laughs> what are you talking about? You have no idea. Like, I'm like really thinking about things. Like, there's, like, I see the world too. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not just, yeah. Yeah, obviously I was protected from the really bad parts of the world, but I was still thinking about things. Stuff mm-hmm. still bothered me. Yeah, I was like, yeah. Still the same way in a lot of ways, I think. Yeah. Always thinking about stuff. But, yeah, what about you? What is it? <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep turning back. <laughs> I'm not used to me, just me talking. You're not used to just me that, okay. Yeah, I'm like, why? <laughs> what about me? What? No, that's cool, actually. Yeah. yeah. What are you asking me? Um, I forgot what your initial question was. It's all right. I think... I think my fear of talking for too long maybe comes from my couple years when I was in France and didn't speak the language. And I think that had a huge impact on me because it was really hard to talk and I felt yeah. like people were impatient with me. Of course, they're kids. I mm-hmm. don't speak their language. And I think I really like, it was like, oh, if I have something to say, 
I've got to like figure out exactly how to say it, say it, and then shut up. You know, like I like. Oh yeah. I don't know. I feel like that kind of affected how I feel about. Like I, I don't talk for ages like some people can. You're like, have you ever, you know, have you met people and they like, it's just a stream of consciousness and they just talk and talk. And I love people like that. I don't mm -hmm. mind it, but that's not how I am. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't know. I like shut myself up after. You know, you know, I can relate to that because, you know, you know, English is not my first language. Yeah, yeah. So I can certainly relate to that. And just, I guess the first year of me being here, you know, I will always feel like, okay, First of all, I will always think, am I saying the correct word? Right. Am I using the right grammar? Am I using the... Do you think I'm that, messing up? Or, yeah. Am I messing up? And like, and the huge yeah. fear was, um, am I... Because I did not know kind of what's the right way of framing things. Mm -hmm. I was like, am I offending someone? Oh, you're worried about that? Yes, with my words. Because, because I wasn't sure, you know. I, I knew how I can be like, I guess, respectful, but straightforward. In my mm -hmm. own language, but I didn't know that in English, you know, kind of like what is the right way? What is, especially like uh, when it came to like texting, when it came to writing, right. you know, because that that even made it more difficult. Don't have facial expressions. Because there's or, no, now yeah. there's zero facial expression, and then uh -huh. uh, so it was kind of making it harder too. Yeah, that's that's something I wondered about you. You said, mm -hmm. when did you come over here? I was 17. 17? Yeah, I thought so you were 18. Here. You didn't speak the language at all? Um, like a hello, how are you type of level? That's crazy. Yeah. So you, you came over here at 17, not speaking the language, yeah. and put yourself through college well, and learn the language? 17, I went to first uh, last year of high school, senior year in high school. Okay, and then I came nice, that's smart. She could kind of learn a language and then... Yeah. That's insane. How did you have the courage to do that? I When I went overseas, I was with my parents. Yeah. I didn't have... I. Yeah, I didn't have to worry about anything in that area. How did you handle it? Like, did you, like, they, like, just, like were fluent in the language, your parents, so they mm -mm. could like... No, um, so how it started was my great-grandmother died mm -hmm. when I was around nine, I would say, and she's like 100% Italian, like she, I can't, I can't remember if it was her or her mother, mm -hmm. but like who immigrated to the US, um, and she left us like a little chunk of money, and so our family we're like, oh, what are we going to do with this money? Like, we want to use it in a way to honor her yeah. and not just buy random stuff. Um, yeah. And so we took a trip to Europe, and it was through Italy, Switzerland, mm -hmm. France. But while we were in France, our family, like, really connected with it mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And two years later, my dad's a computer programmer, I think, like, like you a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, so we could work remote. And we just moved there for two years. Mm -hmm. Went to school there. Yeah, it was... Feels like a dream a little bit. Like, really? Yeah. So you were excited about the whole thing. No. No. Well, okay. So you have to think about it. From my my entire childhood, so from you know one to nine years or ten years old. Yeah. I lived in the same house basically. Mm -hmm. Went to the same school. Yeah. Didn't have any trouble with school. Didn't have any trouble with uh, friends really. Mm -hmm. Just normal stuff. Like no real struggles. Yeah. And then all of a sudden my parents were like, "Oh, we're moving to a different country." I was like, "Whoa, wait." Excuse, excuse me. Like I'm planning taking a trip. I was, I think I was ten or eleven. Ten or eleven. Okay. Yeah, and I was like, I recognized that this would probably be a good thing, but I was like, I don't want to leave my friends. Like I, I don't. Yeah. I'm so comfortable here, and I knew it was going to be hard. Mm -hmm. I, it was very scary thinking about mm -hmm. suddenly not being able to talk to people. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, 
I was like, oh, I guess we're doing this. Yeah. But I'm so glad I did it. I think it taught mm -hmm. me to shut up, which is something I needed to learn. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, it was out of necessity, but I learned how to just observe, which wasn't my default growing up. So when, when, when you say that, you mean like it taught you how to be a better listener? Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. I couldn't speak. So mm -hmm. there's like no option other than to listen when you can't speak. I, I'm sure you did kind I, of understand that a little <laughs> bit. But You're just like listening. You just listen. Like yeah. you can't even formulate words. You're just like, I can't even talk if I wanted to. So, so did that cause any like, I don't know, depression, anxiety or oh, anything? Yeah, I think so. I didn't even know what anxiety was at that age. Yeah. But I would have pretty bad anxiety over it just... And also for like like secondhand anxiety for my siblings, like I, I mean I definitely worry about myself, but I feel like I worry more about other people, mm. like people who are close to me. I'm like, oh I'll be fine, you know, like I've always been fine. But thinking about like my brother, my little sister, I'm like I hope they're okay, you know. They're younger. Like, um, my older brother, little sister, but I'd okay. worry about both of them. I'd be mm. like, yeah, like I'm having a hard time. They must be having a way harder time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Because none of y'all knew the language, none of mm -mm. y'all ever been there. Mm -mm. Yeah. So, it's, a, it's a big challenge. Yeah, honestly, I think I probably had a harder time of it than both of them, actually. Because Lila was young enough mm -hmm. that, like, words were less necessary. Yeah. Um, but she picked up really easy. My brother was is way less social than me, so he kind of just, like, you know, chilled. He's okay with being alone. I was not that confident. I was, well, middle school girls are mm -hmm. kind of the same wherever you go. It's very, <laughs> very verbal, yeah. very uh, kind of toxic sometimes. There's a little bit of gossip. And how everything goes is it's all verbal. You can't yeah. go up to a middle school girl. I mean, you could, but like that's not how it works. You can't go up and like slap somebody like... <laughs> It's all verbal. It's all yeah. like talking about him, talking behind their back, Gosh, whatever. Talking and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still that way. Jealousy, too. probably well, a lot. Comparison. Yeah. Some people never grow out of it, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that was like hard for me, definitely feeling like like I'm not even a real person at this point. You know, I, I'm here, but I don't feel like a real, like actually part of the group because I'm just so different. I think that maybe. I've always had imposter syndrome, I feel like, for a lot of things. I'm not exactly sure why. But, yeah, definitely, I think it was good. It was, I think, controversial topic, but I think it's good to be bullied a little bit growing up, just a little bit. I think it's... Ooh, it's interesting. Uh, I, I agree. Yeah? Okay. I feel like it... I'm not exactly sure. i got to think about what it actually teaches you. <sighs> not everybody's your friend. I think that's a good thing to learn. I mean, yeah, obviously trust issues aren't great, but it's it's a hard but necessary lesson to learn that not everybody has your best interests at heart, mm -hmm. that people will go behind your back, that just because you're kind to somebody doesn't mean they'll be kind back to you. 100%. And when you come from a healthy place, it's easy to be like, oh, everybody loves me. Everybody's going to look out for me, and that's just not the case. And I feel like that was good for me to learn. Definitely, yeah, definitely couple of trust issues but what was really funny was when I actually started learning the language and yeah. I could start to understand yeah. like what they're saying and I didn't have enough words to like give a comeback yet yeah. so they would say something and I'm like I know what they're saying but I don't know how to like combat it so I would just I just like turn and just stare mm -hmm. at them like just stare at them <laughs> like what else are you supposed to do and they would get so uncomfortable it was hilarious mm -hmm. like they'd be like and like stop talking mm -hmm. or like I think one time I said like 
you know, I can understand you, right? Or I said, like, I understand, and like looking at them, and they like kind of shut up a little bit. It's like, yeah. <laughs> from from uh, what I realized, like early childhood, and then the trip to France, there's kind of a pattern that like seems like like you you never ever wanted to be just a number. You wanted to be the one that gets kind of like the uh, the attention, <laughs> get noticed, validated, acknowledged. Yeah, you're seeing right through me here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely less of an attention hog than I was. I used to, oh my gosh, I used to be so, want so much attention all the time. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I think definitely coming back, I felt like, I don't know, just wanted validation that people liked me. Like after coming, being the outsider for so long and mm -hmm. like coming back to my um, home country mm -hmm. and just wanting so much attention, just wanting people to like, be affirmed that people loved me. Yeah. And so I definitely caused some attention-seeking. I didn't do anything crazy. I wasn't. Mm -hmm. But I would definitely just be wanting attention. Yeah, but I mean, not anymore. You went through a phase of, like, no you cannot <laughs> even say anything. <laughs> yes. To, and then you come back. You're like, oh, finally you can speak. Yeah, I got a lot to say. <laughs> let me just find my spot again. Let me, like, make yeah. sure everyone listens to me. You know, it's kind of like something that is, like, a need that you had there, but that need was not given to you. Yeah, I was like starved for a connection. Starved. I, yeah, I, exactly. Yeah. It's like, I have my, my siblings, but it was, I honestly felt like alone in a way. Mm -hmm. Like when you can't communicate with people, you do feel alone. Mm -hmm. And you can not communicate with people and speak their same language. Mm -hmm. Like it's, yeah, you can just, depends on the type of people you're around, I think. Mm -hmm. but. Yeah, definitely. I, in a way, I feel like I relate now more to myself when I was younger than than like my my phase after coming back, my attention-seeking phase. Like I feel like that was just a reaction. That was kind of like a, like a hurt response, basically. Oh yeah, no. Like a little is. forced, and I'm, I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but also, we can give slack. You know, a young yeah. teenage girl is it's a lot to figure out, but. So you said uh, you said you went to Germany too. Uh, England. England, sorry. England. I yeah. never went to Germany. That would be cool someday. Yeah. Yeah, that was like three months. It was kind of like a transition okay. period, like coming back and and again didn't really have any friends, just my siblings. But when I mean, you were there. Yeah, I didn't really okay. have time to connect that much. But I think it was cool. Would you say like this kind of time was like a time to because. You were a male child, and usually the male child mm -hmm. is the outsider. You know, yeah. it's like the one that kind of spends more time, I guess, with friends and more social. Why is that and so everything. true? Like across the board, you're so right. <laughs> I mean, uh, I guess that's the psychology behind it, you know? Yeah. Uh, usually the male one, because like the first child is like the guinea pig. Everybody right, just tests right. everything on, and the parents trying uh -huh. to figure out. And the last one is the the one that gets a lot of attention from mom and dad. You know, the baby. The baby. Yeah. Not only mom and dad, the other uh -huh. two as well too. So, uh -huh. but the middle one is like nobody really cares about. You know, not not care about, but like. But I've been saying this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like the middle child, and um, you are just out there trying to get attention from everybody else. Because yeah, acting out maybe a little bit. Yeah, because yeah, there's a brother or sister too. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I guess I never felt like um, unloved as a kid. I had like that's a different topic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it definitely, yeah, just feeling like 
trying to like have my own space like mm -hmm. I don't know what it is about being the, like I, I want to learn more about that like what it is specifically that like causes like across the board middle children to act the way they do because it's mm -hmm. like a, an observable pattern it's that way like pretty consistently in families but yeah I don't understand exactly how that all works yeah, we'll have to think about that later. Because I have to sit there. <laughs> uh, it's quite interesting. I mean, uh, because you said your older brother, he's okay with being alone. Yeah. You know, and I think maybe maybe if I sit in front of him and have this conversation with him, uh -huh. instead of him saying, you know, yeah, my my parents were okay with me going trying things out, uh -huh. he might say along the lines of they were more protective over me, you know, because it's kind of like a first kid. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yep. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. Uh, usually family protection causes a lot of... Um, it kind of puts a child or kid in an environment to uh, be less social. Mm -hmm. And being less social in early ages tends to be introverted. And uh, when, you, when you grow up, you get older, you know? Because, mm -hmm. oh, I mean, as introverted and extroverted, they're both cool, but, like, they started for a reason, you know, because of your some patterns and characteristics that have been developed within a child when they were younger that now they're introvert or extrovert, you know. Mm -hmm. You being exposed to all these people and then, you know, uh, having depleted from you and then getting back to it again, you come back, you know. You were mm -hmm. always kind of like exercising social skills, so you yeah. were comfortable with that, you yeah. know. And I think uh, one of the things, like, introverts are like you know they say like when they are around people uh, a lot of people they are the, the energy gets depleted mm -hmm. it's just because of the level of uncomfortability yeah you know that it's very unconscious yeah I think you're right also I don't know if there's a term for this but as I've gotten older I feel like being around groups of people drains me more but I one-on-one -on -one time with mm -hmm. people whether it's uh, family or, yeah. or, or friends, I feel like that's the one thing that I don't really get drained by as much. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know, it feels like, have you experienced this where everybody, as soon as it's more than two people, there's like this type of a group mentality or like that like people slip into. Yeah. Like people are completely different people um, when it's in a group versus one on one. You get all the attention, but when you grew, I feel like you get less attention because yeah, well, you're uh, you're less like willing to be vulnerable. There's yeah. like more. Again, I'm not a psychology major. I don't, I don't know what I'm talking mm. about, but I I've definitely noticed that like people are more likely to, um, like try and win approval of the group, like exactly. throw other people, maybe not even in a horrible way, but make make jokes at other people's expense, like get the whole group to laugh, like look around for validation. But when it's one on one, it's yeah. just like. Because you are already, the, the light is only on two people. You right, there's no talking. attention you need to win. Yeah, there's no competition, there's no attention, right, and there right. is no need for validation. And I feel like that's when you actually get to really connect to the, who that person is because they're not in this com like competitive mode, almost like a game. It's it like a game. It's like uh. more a connection rather than, you know, social dynamics and trying to... I mean, like, it's 100% it, it a game, but it's a very unconscious game. It's yes, not exactly. conscious. People don't, don't realize yeah. exactly most of the time what they're doing. But I, I don't know why I'm so attuned to that, but mm -hmm. it's sometimes when I 
I go from hanging out with somebody one on one, and then like we we go into a group setting, and I'm like, you are acting completely different. Like yeah. you're not even looking at me now, and we yeah. we just had this great conversation, and I'm yeah. like, I don't know why it's so different for me, but I've always been like, craved like one on one time with just anybody in my life. I, don't know. I think that probably comes from wanting my my tendency to like want to figure things out because I feel like you can't okay you can learn a lot about people by watching how they interact with others but you but I feel like you can really start to figure out who a person is when with one-on-one -on -one conversation like there's a problem to be solved and the best way to solve it is to ask them ask them direct questions and yeah. learn that way so it's hard to solve people when they're just in a group setting because it's always the next interesting thing yes you know kind yes. of like oh okay Wait, hold on. We were having a conversation. Oh, that conversation sounds yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's just going all over the place. Yeah, You're yeah. like, no, I was trying to figure this out, but then I can't. And I feel like maybe you can uh, relate to this, but I guess one of the main things that we can uh, definitely see in the current uh, young group of people that we're around is the lack of uh, listening skills. You know, people that oh, don't yeah. listen necessarily, you know, because we always kind of like trying to figure out what else. Right, or like... You know, Something I heard about, I don't remember where I heard it, but oftentimes, oftentimes in conversations, people aren't even listening to the person mm -hmm. while they're talking to them. They're, while the person is sharing with them, mm -hmm. they're thinking about what am I going to say next? Yeah. What is the next thing I'm going to say? What's the next thing that's going to make them impress or, mm -hmm. or like me more, make yeah. me feel good? And it's, it's such an easy thing to do because we're so naturally selfish. That just seems to be a default for all of us. Mm -hmm. But it's really just kind of shoots yourself in the leg from actually connecting with the person mm -hmm. because they just share something with you and it just flies right over your That's why people forget names so easily. It's because you introduce yourself and you're thinking, what am I going to say next? You're not actually listening to them. You didn't actually hear their name. And then, you know, like two minutes after the conversation ends, you're like, what, what did they say? But like, I only remember what I said. I'm only uh, thinking about how I messed up. I don't even yeah. remember what they said. It's funny because... Um this happens a lot, you know, like, I, I introduce myself a lot, you know, I just say, hey, my name is Armand. Yes, yes. And then, uh, and a lot of times happens, and then this one night, I was actually a little bit, you know, I was drinking a little bit. So, I was a little bit more straightforward. Okay. So, I was a little bit more straightforward okay. than um, I will say I usually am. And then we, we go to this one place, and I, I know that I see this guy, and I say uh, his name. I'm like, hey, da-da-da, how you doing, fella? Mm -hmm. And then he was like, oh, I'm doing stuff. And like, it was like, oh, what's your name? I was like, I mean, I think I told you my name before. <laughs> 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 you got a little short with the very Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> And he was like, okay, but tell me your name. I was like, what is the point of me telling you? you Were you not listening? If you're not going to listen, if you're not going to remember. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And uh, I, I end up telling him my name. I'm actually curious. Like, next time I see him, maybe he, he, remember? he remembers or not. But I, I put my money on no. You know? Probably. I put my money on no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because there's a no. It was, like, he wasn't within a group of people. And mm -hmm. once again, you know, when you're in a group of people, you tend to, like, not pay attention fully. Right, right. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's definitely, I always feel bad when I forget people's names because I know it's for that exact same, that exact reason. Mm -hmm. It's because I'm just thinking about me and I'm like, shoot. But that means, if, like, if we can remember to, like, That's a game actually changer. listen, that means so much to people. That's, like, goes that game so far. 
when people feel like you listen to them. Mm -hmm. I remember um, I have like had a background like um, like mentoring and helping with kids. Mm -hmm. I've always loved kids and yeah. like like they've always like liked being around me and gravitated toward toward me. And people ask me why, and it's like literally you just listen to them. Kids are desperate for people to listen to them, and. I remember being a kid and when an adult or somebody older than me like took the time to like listen and ask follow-up questions and like get on my level, it was amazing. You felt like a real person and I remember both being a kid and not getting that and also mm -hmm. like, you know, being in France, not being able to speak. How powerful it is to just listen to somebody. You don't have to do anything, you don't have to give them any advice, you just have to like care. Be, be present and care. Yeah, 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 and it's just, that's what everybody wants I feel like that's I don't know that's why I ask so many questions sorry I keep I feel no, like my default <laughs> is to turn it back on people because I don't know maybe that's a good habit I'm coding the, this book called how to make friends and uh, win other people no how to make friends and influence other people mm -hmm. and it says if you want to be interesting you should be interested yeah which yeah. is basically what it is you know you if you want to if you want to we're interesting enough. Um, sometimes I have conversations, and then um, someone tells me, "I had the best conversation with you." Uh huh. And I'm like, <laughs> and I, I go uh, to myself and think about what was it about this conversation, and then I start thinking. I'm like, oh, was people find that conversation interesting or exciting uh -huh. because they were the one that was, they were being asked about, you know, they right. were the one that had the spotlight on them. And uh -huh. usually in this sort of situation, I, mean, I think about them like, yeah, you know, it kind of makes sense. They were talking 90% of the time and I was talking 10% of the time. Right. So it's all right. psychology, you know, it, right. it, because they felt hurt and they found it to be the most fun conversation ever, you right, know, right. just because they had all the attention, all the, like, the spotlight well, they were on they cared them. about. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And then maybe you go ask them, like, what do you know about me? They would not know anything, but, like, mm -hmm. they still enjoyed that conversation. It was, like, literally, like, attention that they wanted to, and it's kind of hard to get that in these yeah. days because nobody listens. I feel like I definitely, judge is the wrong word. But make like make a mental note when I talk to somebody, mm -hmm. and they never ask any questions, mm -hmm. and I'm I'm just I'm just like okay, that's like where they're at, and kind of think. Yeah. I was just thinking, do people because asking questions is, is like a hallmark of you caring about the other person, but do people use that to manipulate? Like, I don't know, like that can be manufactured. That's a good question. Like I I don't know if I've really uh, remember encountering that before. But like, what do you think? What do you think it could be manipulation? I feel like anything that's it definitely could be used as manipulation. I'm trying to think of an instance where that's happened before. Yeah. I think definitely uh, some guys that I've talked to mm -hmm. who are like ladies' men, yeah. and they they like ask you questions all the time, yeah. and it's like, I mean, maybe they cared about me, but probably not. But it's <laughs> like they they didn't really care about that much. Like if I. I don't know, looked differently or mm. was a different person or whatever, they probably mm. wouldn't be asking me those questions. Like, mm -hmm. they're just, I don't know. Yeah, I definitely think it can be used as manipulation. I don't know how exactly to tell. I guess it's just a vibe you get off people. So what you're saying is like, is someone uh, having a conversation for, with me mm -hmm. for the intention of being interested mm -hmm. and listening and caring or the intention is something else. 
-hmm. That's what I'm trying to say. So, right, right, right. So if, if, if that's how you see it, then if the goal is anything but being genuinely interested right. you know, in the conversation, then you might be able to categorize it as a manipulation. You know, right. because like you you are in the con and, and and if the intention is not not clear, mm -hmm. you are in a conversation for two different reasons. Mm -hmm. You know, so I can see that. I mean by that it's so hard because technically you could classify a false smile as manipulation. False smile? Yeah, like cuz we smile all the time when we're not happy. And it's, interesting. Okay. And it's not wrong. That. It's socially mm -hmm. acceptable. Because like why I mean, I guess it's different in other cultures. Like, you go to Russia or like, like more like uh, Eastern European people. Uh -huh. They won't, if they don't feel like smiling, they won't smile. But like here in America, like people smile all the time. And they're not, I know for a fact, people aren't happy all the time. Do you think <laughs> smile is a showcase of happiness? Like, I mean, what, what do you mean? Like, it's, do you it's, think it's an indicator of happiness, but it can be faked. And it's like normal to fake it. Okay. So it's like technically, in a way, manipulation, but it's not like with malintent mm -hmm. it's to just like make things smooth over and make things like socially go easier but it's not it's not authentic you don't actually feel happy but you're smiling are you happy i'm happy i am actually enjoying this conversation not just because you're asking me questions although that could be part of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah no but genuinely in your life are you happy um i think so yes i would say so I'd say right now what's hard is long distance with my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. He's in the Coast Guard, so mm -hmm. he lives five hours away by car, which mm -hmm. is, uh, it can be worse. Yeah. But that's probably hard. I'm, I don't know, he's definitely my best friend. And, it was, mm -hmm. and we would see each other every day. And then all of a sudden not having that, it's like, ugh, that's a little depressing. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'm happier now than I was right before my meet, my, my powerlifting meet. Because I was really stressed oh, really? out. I felt like I was just hard on myself. I was like, I was intentionally, I knew I was like a little unhappy. Like unhappy is, is the wrong word, but just stressed out, you know, just a little like overworked, I feel like. That was intentionally, like, I knew it was a little bit unhealthy, but I'm like, mm -hmm. eh. Like I'm trying to reach this goal, and after that I'll like let myself like live a little, and mm -hmm. like, you know, relax. How did you find happiness? Um, define or find? Yeah, like, no, how do you define it? How do you, for you, like, what are some parameters that would say, oh, I am happy? I think happiness, people are always like, um, like in life, oh, my, my goal is to find happiness, to be happy. And I might be stealing somebody's words, but I heard it somewhere and I agree with it. Mm -hmm. um, happiness is an extreme. It's not a resting state. I feel uh, contentment is a resting state. Just like, and happiness is a, like, sadness is an extreme, happiness is an, is an extreme. It like goes up and down, but content, contentness is basically, or peace is where you should, what you should be striving for. Because you cannot be happy all the time. You cannot. Mm -hmm. Life goes wrong, you get tired, hormones, something happens. Mm -hmm. I don't know, you can't be happy all the time, but you, I do believe you can have a level of contentment, contentment and peace pretty much all the time. That depends where you get it. And it's harder to have, depending on how you live your life, I think. Interesting. But how I define happiness. Or I, I guess, how would you define contentment? Contentment, I think when you feel, you believe in what you're doing, 
Mm-hmm. I think also, I'm not, yeah, when you also aren't, at least for me, mm-hmm. contentment and peace comes from not hiding things, feeling like I have nothing to hide. Mm-hmm. Because when I feel like I've got secrets, like things I'm keeping from people yeah. that I'm ashamed of, that's like mm-hmm. that's why I usually keep things a secret is because I'm mm-hmm. ashamed of it for yeah. some reason. Yeah. Then that, I feel like, robs my peace. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know. Yeah, I, w- I would say it's just feeling like able to be open about every, almost everything in your life. Mm-hmm. And because that, that means you're not ashamed of anything. When you're, doing, so, when you're doing things that you are ashamed of or you know are wrong, then, or not doing things you know you should be doing, that's what robs your peace. And peace is, yeah, interesting, doing okay. what you know is right. Like living a life you're proud of. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what is the biggest lesson you ever learned in your life, Claire? Oh, I remember you asked that to somebody else. I, I asked it every, I, okay. I have asked it every single okay. episode I ever yeah. recorded. Yeah. yeah. Um, biggest lesson I've learned in my life. Um, always ask questions, I guess. Because what happens when you ask questions is you start to figure out the why behind things. So you're like, why am I doing this? Why am I here on this earth? Why is my life this way? Mm-hmm. What happens to me that makes me act this way? Like always ask questions and you will kind of get to the root of things. You will start to find the why behind things. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, yeah. And the thing, and I feel like when you always ask questions, you also find truth mm-hmm. because I feel like sometimes um, people are reluctant to ask questions because when you ask questions, you feel like you're going to have to change your mind. Mm-hmm. They're right. You probably will change your mind the more questions you ask. But that's because people um, people have this tendency to hold like their own opinions and beliefs as more important than the actual truth. And the thing about truth is you can question it as much as you like, and it will never change. For sure. But your own beliefs, you can question it as much as you like, and they will change. And it's not, and it's easier just to stay in one place and not grow sometimes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's about moving forward, asking questions. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> um, anything else? Um, oh, yes. I was going to ask you, okay. where does yes, I am come from? What's, what's that in you? Yes, I am to me uh, is a personal journey. Basically, for me, yes, I am means finding confidence and believing I can. Mm-hmm. I personally can do anything I put my mind into. Mm-hmm. I have the confidence to put to do anything I put my mind to, and that kind of like complements what I want to ask you afterwards, which was, mm-hmm. what word would you put in front of yes, I am? Because I believe if you certainly believe with all your soul and blood that you can accomplish something or become a person you will be able to do that you know and for me i say it all starts with putting it in front of yes i am yes i am a money maker <laughs> if you want to be a money maker put that in front of it you know and start believing in it that you, you will be able to make money or yes i am confident if you are not confident first you got to believe that you can be confident till you become confident uh-huh. so it's always about that it's, it's a positive, positive affirmation yes uh-huh. i am 
you know, and there's some power into it for me. Uh-huh. And yeah. it was it was a kind of like a process of me finding my confidence, basically. Yeah. 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 But yeah. That's really cool. What would you put in front of your I was thinking about that while you were saying it. Um, I think this might change for me as I get older because I'm only 20 years old. Yeah. So I still have a lot of, hopefully, a lot of life left to live. But I would say right now it's, uh, yes, I am able to make a difference. That what I say and what I do can make a difference. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Claire, for being a guest. Yeah. And yes, I am podcast. It was lovely talking to you. And I feel like very great episode and very inspiring. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much for joining us in this episode of the Yesayim Podcast. And I want you to invite you all to subscribe and share this episode with your loved ones. And please stay connected with me and find more inspiration uh, content on my Instagram at ArmanASKZ. Thank you all for being an integral part of the Yesayim community. And you all know it as always. Yes, I am.